Welcome everybody to this week's Film Effect Weekly Entertainment Recap Podcast. Welcome to a killer Friday the 13th edition of FewerCast, our Film Effect Weekly Entertainment Recap Podcast, where we break down all the week's Film Effect movie news from our full effect point of views. Happy Friday the 13th, campers. This week, we're going to be doing things a bit differently and going through each and every one of the Friday films, minus Freddy vs. Jason, since Corey and I just did an entire episode on that film for last year's Halloween Harathon. And for what's sure to be a very fun conversation about one of our favorite horror film franchises, each entry will start off with a brief breakdown of the film's events, followed by the five of us having a discussion about the movie itself. I'm really looking forward to this episode, and I hope you all are too. As for who we are, well, my name is Ed, and joining me like they do each and every episode are the show's usual suspects. We have Jocelyn. Hey guys, hope everybody's doing good. All right, Andrew. Greetings and salutations. Hope you're having a good day. Justin. Hey, now. And Corey. Hey, what's up, film effectors? Counselors, we ready to do this? Yep. See. Sure. And let's start things off with 1980s Friday the 13th. Oh, hi. What are you doing out in this mess? One. Thank you. 
13th. You may only see it once, but that will be enough. Friday, the 13th. In Friday the 13th, a group of camp counselors trying to reopen a summer camp called Crystal Lake, which has a grim past, are stalked by a mysterious killer. So the original Friday the 13th, where Jason is not the killer, this is the one where Jason's mother does all the hacking, Pamela Voorhees, this is the one that kicked them all off. And as I've stated on this show time and time again before in the past, this is like middle tier for me, personally. I'm not like huge on the first film the way a lot of people are. Agreed. Um, yeah, I mean, even going back and revisiting all the films recently, like, the first one's just, like I said, middle tier for me. I've never been the biggest, like, I, I'm not like, there's a lot more better films in the franchise than this one, in, in my honest opinion, if yeah. I'm being honest. I agree. I think it's just kind of dull in some spots. It's just, yeah, they haven't quite found the formula in this one. I mean, there's some good stuff about it, but it's definitely mid-tier for me. It's not it's not the worst, but uh, it's definitely not the best. I mean, the ending saves it. The ending's pretty good. I mean, it's a movie that started basically off of a newspaper article. They had the title. Sean S. Cunningham got the title Friday the 13th, and he just put an article in a newspaper just, just said Friday the 13th coming next year. It was just basically just revealing that this movie's coming soon. They didn't have a plot. They didn't have a crew. They just had a title and an idea. And it was just going to be a horror movie because, you know, holidays and, and whatnot were like all the rage in the 80s making horror movies out of them. I mean, you can take every horror movie basically and make a horror movie out of it and they have like there's probably a fucking horror movie on Arbor Day you know every holiday in the, in the 80s had some sort of slasher movie attached to it so Sean Cunningham you know it, in 1979 got you know copyrighted Friday the 13th and was like alright this is what we're gonna, we're gonna we claim this holiday Friday the 13th and who knew this is the one that would become the biggest of them all, minus Halloween. I'd argue it would be bigger, but you know what I mean. I do you have know, a question. I have an answer. Friday, <clears throat> Friday the 13th, I always, you know, pair with the film franchise, but was it a holiday before the film came out? I mean, yeah, everyone always talked about Friday the 13th. Okay. It was always a thing. I mean, I don't know how... I don't know the lore of 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 the of where it came from, but you know it was definitely, hence, the title that they got. You know, it had to have come from somewhere. All right, I didn't know if he just made it up. I I always figured he just made it up, but that's a good piece yeah. of knowledge to have, I suppose. Yeah, it was always something before this, so. So yeah, I mean, like I actually this this is probably the one that I just watched the most recent because when I was when I was camping back in October, this was one of the movies we watched outside on the big the big blow up screen that we have with us because my buddy Brian brings his massive inflatable screen that's built that's like made for outdoor you know watching for camping and stuff like that and like 
his projector. We put this up and watched it. And once again, I'm like, yeah, it's still middle tier for me. It's, it's, <laughs> it's always going to be middle tier. It's, it's never going to just excel or get bigger. It's, it's always going to be like right there. You know, it's not the best. It's, it's, it's not the worst, you know, but it's just yeah. right there. Yeah, I, I mean, I love uh, Betsy Palmer at the end. I, I mean, her whole monologue and the reveal with that is great. Like, I, I really enjoy all that. But everything else, eh, I'm just like, ah, whatever. It's kind of boring. I mean, there's a couple of good kills in there, but this is definitely one I haven't rewatched as much. The first two, really, I'm just like, eh, I'm ho hummel. And to me, the series really doesn't kick off until the third one. <laughs> And that's one of my big problems with the first one is there's a lot of good kills. You're right about that, Corey, but the majority of them are off screen. Yeah. It's like you can tell they really didn't have a budget. I mean, yeah, they had Tom Savini doing the makeup and stuff, but even he was still kind of a novice back then in, in 79 when they were making this. Well, um, there was there is one good kill on screen by uh, a pretty big actor. Uh, I think Jocelyn knows who it is. Uh, a kill in screen, you said? No, kill no. on screen. A good oh, kill I was on like, screen <laughs> with I, a big actor. Um. Oh yeah, Kevin Bacon. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there you go. See, you knew something. I thought you, you said kill in scream, and I'm like, we're not talking about scream. What the hell? No, the kill on screen. You, gotcha, you gets the gotcha. arrow through uh, the arrow through the throat under the bunk bed. That's probably one of the highlights of the film. Yeah, that's you know, my fun fact for everyone. Kevin Bacon's in the movie. <laughs> is he and the, is that and the blood really the blood awkwardly flies out of his throat if i can remember correctly yeah it, it, i was like about you to could say, tell that it's just somebody with a fucking soaker basically just hitting the fucking trigger well because when they shot that scene because you know they only had one take to do it um it the the blood the tube got clogged so like not savini but whoever was working with savini had to go like underneath the rig and just start blowing, like himself, manually blowing air through it. And that's how that, like, you see a little speck of blood, like, get up to his mouth. That's because the guy, like, was blowing, you know, this fake blood through this tube that was getting clogged. And, like, that's how, you know, that's that. Basically, when you see that blood, like, fly up into his mouth area, that's a guy basically blowing fake blood up that way. And it's, it's you know, it's just a funny little behind-the-scenes tidbit. Kind of yeah, the same way at the end. Watched. No, I was just gonna say real quick. It's kind of like the way at the, at the end when uh, Betsy Palmer gets her head cut off. You see these hairy like knuckles come up in front <laughs> of her. That's because that's yep. that's Tom Savini. That's his knuckles right there. <laughs> because they could that. and 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 if oh, uh, look closely, the fingers are backwards too. That's so. even better. It's funny. It's just funny because Betsy Palmer wanted nothing to do with this movie. She didn't think anybody's going to be in it. It was just a paycheck. It's just <laughs> hilarious. She's like, yeah, nobody will know. And then it turns out to be one of the biggest. And the other thing, it's, it just blows my mind that Paramount distributed this. Like, it just does not compute that, like, a big, respected studio put this, like, schlocky uh, slasher movie out. Because usually it was just put out by small studios or independents, you know? Yeah, Paramount Pictures put this out. They're a big studio. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's just so funny seeing Paramount on it. Oh, yeah. You know? Like, later, New Line made sense. But, like, Paramount, I'm like, uh, yeah, it's kind of weird, but kind of cool at the same time. Yeah. So, like, you know, Betsy Palmer, 
who was a, a big television and movie star from the 50s, was just kind of like, like retired, I guess. Didn't do anything for decades. And then she got a phone call to be in this movie. And, you know, they, they tried to get her back for uh, Freddy vs. Jason, but she was just like, I'm I'm not she saw the script and it's the funny story where she's like I'm not reading this Jason rise up <laughs> like she uh, on the uh, Camp Crystal Lake Memories documentary when they actually before she passed they were able to sit down and talk to her she kind of like mimics that part of the of Freddy, Freddy versus Jason she's like Jason rise up and kill for me avenge me <laughs> stupid yeah. lines yeah I mean Anyways. it is they are bad lines. I mean, yeah, we talked about real. it back in that episode. Yeah, it is. Yeah, but yeah, it's it. And, um, you know, it's it's kind of it's hard to talk about this movie and not acknowledge like Alice, the character of Alice, the OG, you know, final girl. Adrian King, right? Adrian King, that's right. Who, by the way, is like one of the most down to earth, nicest people you'll ever meet. I've met her at numerous conventions throughout the years and she's just always been just so down to earth and cool to talk to yeah i mean she's good in the film and uh obviously the other part you can't not talk about is the final scene the very ending the the jump kind of surprising yeah the jump scare they kind of get you um which obviously was you know everybody knows that when jason comes on out of the canoe like it definitely had me when i first watched it i did not expect that i didn't you know, I didn't know anything about the movie. I was just like, "Whoa!" Yeah, a lot of people, a lot of people compare that final jump scare to to Carrie, and I know there's a lot of comparisons. Like, which one gets you the most? Is it the Carrie jump scene, or is it the Friday the Thirteenth jump scene? I mean, personally, I've just watched Carrie the other night, and I kind of forgot about that last scene, so it kind of got me a little bit. Not gonna lie, Friday the Thirteenth, <laughs> I expect it, so you know. That's that's that because I've seen the movie so many times. It's, 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 it's not really a scene that gets me anymore. It's just, it's more of a scene that I just look forward to seeing because I know that it's coming. Yeah. But the boy, the boy in the lake, man, we didn't find no boy. It's, I, I mean, it, you know, for what it is, it still has its moments that I still enjoy, like that last scene. And, um, Christ, like, you know, the... What, I forgot the girl's name. The one who doesn't even make it to camp. You just see her like hitchhiking to the campground before she gets into the wrong jeep, and then you know she meets her maker by the hands of Pamela Voorhees in the woods. Like I said, it doesn't even get to camp. She perishes on her way down. But um, yeah, Justin, haven't heard from you much. Where are you at on this the Friday, the, the original Friday the Thirteenth? Well, let me just spoiler alert. I'm I'm not the biggest Friday the thirteenth series fan, so um a couple of these I'm probably not gonna have much to say about them. Um the first one, yeah, I'm I'm with you guys. Like it, the thing is, I like the first four better than the second half of the series. It's weird because the more outlandish they get, I think the they just bore me more for some reason. Like a zombie Jason and like uh, a telekinetic girl should like really get me jazzed, and for some reason, I, I hate those more than the, the first couple movies in the series. Um, mm. I I recently rewatched 
the like the ending of it. The, the last ten minutes are the best part of the movie, in my opinion. Um, Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. That. So that that's I'd say like something like like Jocelyn who does. If you're gonna watch the first one, just watch the end of it. Don't even bother with the rest of the movie. I, I agree. See, I ha- I had and I I should have said I have seen the movies. It's just been a very very long time. Yeah, and I would say that a lot of, a lot of these movies, you know, people will you know tend to say they kind of blend together, but I feel like there's a lot of these movies spread out. You know, like what we're gonna do in this episode and kind of like you know peel like some of the layers back. You'll a lot of them are actually like they, they have their own distinctions there are like a lot of them like like the, the seventh one is obviously the one with Carrie the eighth one he goes to Manhattan the spoiler six, alert the sixth <laughs> one is known for you know his the, 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 the goofy antics and stuff like that the fifth one there's not even Jason the fourth one Corey Feldman you know the third one 3D I feel like everyone at least has its own little you know distinction that separates it from the other films that people eh. tend to remember they get jumbled together a lot just you know by fans that aren't as big as you know you or I I think because I've seen them all several times so obviously they all stand out separately but yeah I, I see what you're saying and when you think about like the continuity it's just like a fucking mess like I mean like do even we want to scene... go into that do we even want to go into the continuity no, I'm just gonna you say really think about it like go on Corey but I'm just gonna say for the first movie it's just like it's already falls apart because you see the young Jason come out of the water at the end and it's like why is he still young if he's been in there for so long <laughs> and then in the second movie he's like a, an adult like, it's just like, it, none of it makes any sense when you think about it, but they try to tie it together, you know? All right, I'm going to sit here and actually defend that for a second. Um, the, the, see, I guess it depends on how you interpret things, because for me personally, the end of the first one, like you just said, why is he still little and all that? Because he's still a ghost. I don't believe that that's the real Jason. I think that that's in her head. That All that, the canoe scene, the jump scare... To me, I've always looked at that as she's lost her sanity, and that's just, you know, that it, that's in her head. Hence the, we didn't find no boy. But then I feel like when the movie turns into reality is the last shot, and a lot of people tend to forget the last, the very last thing you see in Friday the 13th are air bubbles in the water. The film kind of focuses on the water and you see these little air bubbles come up and then credits. So to me, that tells me I've always viewed the first film's ending as he's down there, hence the air bubbles, and then cut. But then the second one, I guess this is kind of a good segue. We can, you know, let's jump into Friday the 13th Part 2 now. Friday, the 13th, 
12 of her friends were murdered. Why should Friday the 13th, 1981, be any different? Friday the 13th, part two. The body count continues. 14. So part two, um, it's five years later, Friday the 13th, part two, five years after the events of the first film, a summer camp next to the infamous Camp Crystal Lake is preparing to open, but the legend of Jason is weighing heavy on the proceedings. So yes, this, this, is, where, is, the, this is where Jason actually enters the party. Yeah, and this is where he has like his little wood shanty, right? Like where he has his mom's head yeah, in the wood shanty. He's, he's got a shanty in the woods. That's right. And he's uh, um, brother sack Jason, pillow sack Jason, however you want. He's he sack head Jason. Um, and yeah, this is this is where Jason, you know, enters the game and you know it kicks off with literally him walking down the street because we open up the second film with our survivor from the first film, Alice. And she meets her untimely demise in the film's opening scene. And she's killed off. She had, you know, I, I, I feel like the opening for part two kind of steals from part one a little bit. I've always felt that way because, you know, here we are. We got, you know, this, this heroine who went through the hell and back to, you know, save herself and, and to, to kill Pamela and after you know a vigorous fight and then only for the second one to open up and then Jason just walks in sticks a fucking screwdriver in a temple and calls it a day it's like all that was for nothing could they not get her back Adrian King like did she not want to do the movie and she just did the cameo for him like is that the story with it she everything that that was in the script her character was she was asked to come back you know to to do that opening scene like this it was nothing on her and it was just that the filmmakers i guess were going in a new direction or a different direction or i mean i don't know what she expected number one it's not like back then as an actor you should could even expect any sequel or anything like that because 
you know, Friday the 13th back in the early 80s wasn't, isn't what it is today. You know, let's just be honest. But this is yeah, the main was, thing. Go on, that, Justin. That was, that was a pretty shocking decision that in the, the you know, this is the early 80s. So, um, probably not since like Psycho had in, I mean, Psycho, they did it in one movie, but like to kill off who's essentially the heroine, you know, early in the movie pre-scream all that like it's it was kind of i remember that being like uh and i didn't like it as a kid because it, it she was the one character that i actually liked in the first one i just found something exactly yeah, yeah something appealing about her and the fact that they killed her off so early in part two always turned me off but it's probably one of the better parts of the movie actually is the fact it doesn't make any sense like but you know there's a series where you kind of forgive things for not making sense but uh I mean, what did Jason look her up in the phone book? Like, how did he know where to? Yeah. It's, just a, it's, it's just dumb, but it's an effective way to start off the movie. It's like, oh, you know, anybody can die in this thing. So yeah, all bets are off. I was yeah. mad. I was mad when I saw it. I, I the first time I watched it, I was like, oh man, I liked yeah. her. <laughs> I mean, as a kid, I hated it, but now you know, I've I just grown up. I've accepted it. It's yeah. just part of the franchise now. But as a kid, I didn't like it. I hated it. Um, and yeah, that's the big thing about this movie. Like I said, this is where Jason comes in and now it's no longer Pamela's show. Now this is Jason's for the remainder of the franchise and he's going to do some killing in this one. Now this movie, I've always thought the first and second film, now this is again, as a kid growing up, teenager, all that, this is not how I feel now, but growing up, I've always thought one and two were kind of the same movie. Um, and now looking back at the movies individually, I'm not sure where I got that idea from because they are two, they couldn't be any more different because in this one, you actually do see the kills and you actually do have a higher blood count, you know, or body count and the gore's definitely turned up. Is this um, the one, um, where the guy in the wheelchair gets it and yeah, falls down the steps? It. Machete in the face. One of the yeah. most yeah. iconic the kill. kills of the series. And it's, you know, it's it's also the one where, like, there's that, that little dog. It's like, it's, it's kind of confusing because at one scene you think it's, it's like, they get off the impression that Jason killed the dog. Then the dog shows up at the end of the movie. It's like, what the fuck's up with this dog situation? Um, but yeah, uh, Andrew, where are you at on part two? Sorry, I had to mute myself. Um... I like part two. It's okay. I certainly like it better than the first. I'm not a fan of the first one at all. Um, <clears throat> I like, um, I like, what the, what the fuck is that mask he's got? It's basically a paper bag. It's like a, a potato it's, sack. It's like a potato sack. Potato sack. That's what it is. That's what it is. I, I like that. Oddly enough, it's not as iconic as the hockey mask, but I like the idea of, you know, he just threw some shit on just to disguise his face. It's scarier. Sure. It's a. It's it's no. It, I and honestly it, think it is. And the dilapidated head of his mother, that was fucking. That yeah. was cool. But yeah. outside of that, I mean, the kills are okay, at best. But it's it's. See, I don't like the first one like at all. I'll probably never fuck around and watch the that for the rest of my life. But the second one at least has some good moments that I can get behind. So, I like the second one. First one's not good at all. <laughs> so, my 
biggest gripe with part two is the ending. Because even the, the people that were behind it, Steve Miner, the director, you know, uh, Amy Steele, the, 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 the lead actress, like Ginny, they, they just don't... It doesn't make sense. I mean, how how when's the last time everyone's watched part two? It's been a minute for me. Probably about four or five years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think I watched it when I got the Scream Factory Blu-rays. That's the last time I watched that's, most of these. That's the last time I watched it, so about a year or two ago. Yeah, like two years ago, I think, is when I got it. Maybe. Like, not this past Christmas, but the Christmas before. That's, yeah, that's when I got it. Cause that's, you know, that's when it came out, so. Yeah. Um, okay, so yeah, at, at the end of the movie, um, it, it, J- Jason is, because <sighs> you got the, the Paul character who kind of, like, disappears and comes back, and then it, it, it J- Jason jumps through a window at Jenny. Without the mask, and it's like the it's the it's like the slow mo shot that just fades out, and then next thing you know, Jenny's being hoisted into the back of an ambulance, and it's the next morning, and she's like, "What's going on, Paul? Where's Paul? Where's Paul?" And Paul's nowhere to be found. When we just saw him with Jenny, and then Jason jumps through his window, and then we all of a sudden cut the morning. It's like almost like it's missing a scene or two that they lost or something that they they, they, they forgot to incorporate into the final cut because it doesn't make any sense it's like a cheat it's like a cop-out ending I've always felt because like I said you know she has that last battle because Jason chases her into the shack where she finds the, the head of his mother and that's when she puts the sweater on to act like and, and she starts commanding Jason like she's mother and then that's when he sees the actual head and realizes it's not her. And that's when Paul comes in to save her. And then they feel, and then it's like they they've saved the day, and it's all over because she like hits Jason with this uh, pickaxe. And then they go back to the other cabin, and that's when Jason jumps to the window, and that's when it fades to white, and then she's and all of a sudden. Next morning, back of an ambulance. Where's Paul? Where's Paul? And the movie's over. It's like, what the fuck just happened? Like, the ending to part two makes no sense. Well, it's like a bad version of the ending of part one. It's like they figured they had to get that last jump scare in. And, you know, is it a figment of her imagination or not? Like, it's just not good filmmaking. And that's the sort of thing I I think early on it was just, ineptness and then by the time of like even even with part three they started to realize like okay we're just gonna like keep cranking these sequels out and we're gonna take them less and less serious every time by the time you get to seven like six and seven the the it's like intentionally like doesn't make sense you know what i mean like yeah those are the good ones what they can get away with at that point and then uh, part two also has the infamous shish kebab death between the characters Jeff and Sandra. Um, it's a death taken from a 1972 Italian horror movie called Bay of Blood. But it's still an iconic death. So uh, I love that shish death kebab. scene. 
Yeah, it's when the two characters are making love in the bed, and Jason comes up and with the spear and gets them both in, in the middle and, and, and uh, takes them both out together. And then the character Vicky comes up, played by Lauren Mary Taylor, who is just one of the most coolest per- people in the world to talk to. I interviewed her two years ago. She's so awesome. Um, she comes in and she has that scene where like Jason pops up underneath the blanket and stabs her and then it's like that creepy knife close up on the, of the knife while he's approaching her and she's like cowered in the corner like I love that scene too but um yeah it's, it's, it's got a lot a lot of memorable moments um it's a big step up from the first film in my opinion um it's still middle tier to me when you when you look at the whole entire franchise but part two it's, it's still you know Holds a place in my heart for anything, for anything else, but you know, it's death scenes and you know some of the characters too. Of course, like you mentioned, Corey, that machete to the face, the wheelchair falling back down the stairs—that's yeah. just so. That's the best. That's the best kill in the movie. Yeah, I, I like that one, and I like the fact that Jason, you know, built himself a little shanty in the middle of the woods, and nobody noticed him forever. And I like <laughs> yeah. to think he has like a phone line or something. That's how he found. Um, <laughs> What's he her even, name in the beginning of the movie? Yeah. He even has a little toilet in there when he has to go to the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> so. But yeah, that's part two. Um, Jocelyn, you have anything you want to add before we move on to part three? Nah, I'm waiting until part four. All right, Kevin Bacon cool. is not in part two. <laughs> yeah, Kevin Bacon's not in this one, guys. That or the right. third one. <laughs> All right, well then, we're going to move on then to Friday the 13th part three. Weekends are a good time to escape to the woods. Unless the weekend begins with Friday the 13th. Because 13 is an unlucky number. But out here, so are 1 through 12. Because these are Jason's woods. And nobody leaves them alive. Friday the 13th, part 3, in 3D. Jason, you can't fight him. You can't stop him. And now, you can't even keep him on the screen. Friday, the 13th, part 3, in 3D. Now, when it comes to killing in Jason's woods, Jason will come to you. Friday, the 13th, part 3, in 3D. A new dimension in terror. It will scare you. on it.
And now we're starting to pick up. Jason Voorhees stalks a group of friends who have arrived to spend the weekend at a cabin near Crystal Lake. So once again, we're not actually at Crystal Lake. We're like in the suburbs of Crystal Lake, like around Crystal Lake-ish. Um, uh, once again, no camp counts. I mean, no, uh, no, no campers. This is just a bunch of, it's like a weekend getaway um, in the area, this movie. This is in 3D. This is also the first film where uh, Jason dons the hockey mask. Yeah. And uh, I just want to say this one's special for me because this is the, actually the first one I ever saw. The third one. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, yeah. My experience with it was on uh, cable television, as with most of these, because, you know, I was born in 86. So, you know, by right. the time I was somewhat old enough to even care about these in the mid 90s, they were usually on cable TV, either around Friday the 13th or uh, Monster Vision. I, one of my earliest memories Monster is mo- Vision, watching, yes. it, watching it with Joe Bob on Joe Monster Bob. Vision. Joe Bob yeah, Joe, Briggs. Joe Bob Briggs would host them on Monster Vision, and you can also catch a bunch of them on USA Up All Night with... Uh, yep, USA Up All Night, yep. With uh, Gilbert Gottfried. Gilbert Gottfried, yep, that... So I don't remember which one it was. It was one of those, but I watched. Uh, this was the first one I watched, at least from start to finish. Um, yeah, and I like this one. I think this is a. I, I like the third one a lot better than I like the first two. Uh, you know, I, I like uh, a lot of the kills. I like the fact that he gets the mask. Because I personally hate Baghead Jason. I think it's kind of dumb. But uh, really, I like the, yeah, I don't. I don't like the whole look. I, I like the hockey mask. I've always liked the hockey mask for whatever reason. I, mean, I like them both. I mean, I, I definitely. I'm a fan of both of the, of the the looks. I mean, the first time I saw the second one, I was like, "What a jip! He doesn't have the hockey mask." <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I, I just, I, the third he one was one really of the last ones. The, not in the first one. The third <laughs> one was one of the last films I watched. I do remember that because I saw this one on Cinemax one night when I was in like second grade or something like that. Um. Yeah, it was, and I I'd seen plenty of films prior to this, um, but yeah, this is kind of like I guess we'll get into the the timeline conversation with the next film, but um, yeah, this <laughs> takes place the next day, so this is literally Jason is now made his way wherever in the woods, and the the opening is that like little convenience store slash where I guess these people, this couple live at this convenience store and shit. And Jason's kind of fucking with them and then goes for the kill. And then it's like the next day suddenly we have these group of teenagers who are coming to town. And one of them, this is the one thing that I've, this my, my biggest gripe with part three is the, um, the, the the lead character, um, I think, yeah, Chris, she suddenly has this story where she claims she was attacked by a man who she describes essentially as Jason years prior. Doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. And I'm I'm holding off until the next film for um, with with you know good intention to talk about the uh, the timeline because it doesn't make sense enough and then she adds this story to it which really fucking throws a monkey wrench if you're trying to make sense of uh the timeline here 
But um, yeah, uh, like I said before, this was also in 3D. Um, the kills are even more intense in this one. This has the iconic death of the guy doing the handstand who gets cut in half, which is one of my favorite franchise kills ever. Yeah, I like that one. That That's what I was waiting to talk about. That was the one that stands out to me, too. It's so good. Um, and then, of course, we have the like the Cheech and Chong ripoffs in this fucking movie. <laughs> yeah, they're like the weird biker people or whatever, yeah. They're like a couple and shit, because one of them, it's, it's, it's a, this dude who clearly resembles Cheech Marin from the fucking early 80s, and then, like, his fucking stoner girlfriend who's just there in the barn or whatever Tommy Chong yeah and the bikers too that they you know that they they cross hairs with at the convenience store um but Shelly can't talk about part three without talking about the character of Shelly the 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 original prankster from uh who had the hockey mask that Jason got so yeah there's that I mentioned Shelly uh, to me, what stands out the most is the end. I think the climax oh, yeah. between Jason and Chris is like one of the series' best. It's a good showdown. Yeah, that that's the part that definitely stands out to me the most is the showdown and just like seeing uh, Jason's face and like the way he's coming at her. That's always been burned into my head. Yeah, it's a good one. That's how he got the that he gets the axe mark in his mask from this one. Um, he sticks his arms out like a freaking zombie when it happens, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Justin, you going to tell us why you hate this one, too? No, this is actually one of my favorites. Um, oh, nice. I haven't watched it in a long time, though, so I don't quite remember it start to finish. Um, you know, I definitely remember the end. Um, but, yeah, I, I, and I was trying to think. I can't remember if it was two or four that I saw first. Um, but I had the same reaction as Corey to part two. I was, I, I didn't realize that he wore a bag on his head or I, I don't know. I don't remember realizing that, but I do remember being bummed out that he didn't have a hockey mask, but I mean, I used to read Fangoria magazine as a kid. So I knew about these movies. They were, you know, a few in before I finally saw one. And, um, but I was familiar through that. And, uh, I never felt the movies lived up to what, I imagine him to be after seeing it in Fangoria. So that, I think that's part of the reason why I don't oh, I don't love this series that much. Um, but yeah, part three is is one of the you know the 3D shit is completely dumb and obvious. <laughs> I know, which <laughs> when is I was, part of the fun of it. So it yeah. it is. I, I this is it, probably my second favorite. I think actually out of the series would be this one. I just remember nice. watching this on TV, and I'm like, "What? Why is all this dumb shit flying at the screens?" I didn't know it was 3D. I <laughs> I didn't know at the time because this is, you know, I was a kid. Like this was internet. Like pretty much the only thing you ever heard about these movies was in like magazines or newspapers. So yeah. I had no idea it wasn't supposed to be in 3D. I'm like, "What is all this dumb shit popping at the screen?" Because I'm just watching it in the middle of the night on USA or TNT or whatever station it was. <laughs> Uh, two last things I wanted to mention personally. Um, I just wanted to get them out of my way so I don't forget about them for this entry. Uh, number one, Richard Brooker, who plays Jason. Everyone turns to Kane Hodder as the best, the best Jason. And while Kane is my favorite Jason, 
Richard is a close second. I love yeah. Richard Brooker's portrayal as Jason in this movie. Yeah, um, he's good. The way he moves and everything, yeah, it, it's definitely a step up on the previous film. And yeah, yeah, and that shot that you mentioned, Corey, where he, the, where you know he gets it in the head and he lifts his arms up. That that shot is maybe the shot from the entire series that I remember most. That or a shot yeah. from part four that, that I'm sure we'll discuss, but. <laughs> yeah, I always think of that. Like he, he does that little pause when he gets hit, and then he raises his arms up. Like I love that shot. Yeah, I guess you, you chalk up to the way that guy portrayed uh, portrayed Jason. He's one of the nicest people too. I, I met. Um, he is no longer with us, unfortunately. But when I met him back in 2011, he was just so cool. He signed my Part Three replica mask without even fucking all. He 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 didn't charge me a dime for it. So I'm actually looking at the mask right now that he signed, Richard Brooker 3. Because all the Jason actors always put the, the number that they were in on the mask. Except for Kane, because Kane did like fucking a handful of those movies. So, um, and also the second thing I wanted to mention, <coughs> the disco theme, baby. For Harry Manfredini's disco theme, he was under this alias, this fake disco pan- band called... Uh, what the hell they call themselves? Hot Ice, I think it was. And they did this uh, opening theme. Because you got the in-your-face 3D opening credits. But then you also got that fucking banger of a theme going, too. No one else remembers the theme for this song? I don't for remember. This it's, been, it's been a while since I've watched this one, so I don't remember that. Yeah, me neither. I watch it. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah, so... Uh, Andrew, do you want to add anything to this entry? I mean, I wish I would have seen it in 3D and the theaters. <clears throat> and ironically enough, I've never seen it in 3D in my life. I haven't either. Like, and the Blu-ray that I know came the- out with Scream Factory, it's actually in 3D. If you have a 3D television, they they, but I don't because it's a Ooh. dated technology. I can tell you 3D in the 80s was not, you know... IMAX 3D. Oh, I'm aware. I'm aware. That's why I've never went out of my way to like watch it or find like a copy of it. Like, I just don't really care. I mean, the red. What, sa- what was it? Blue. But what I'm saying now is, yeah. But what I'm saying now is the way the the new Blu-ray is that's in the box set that Screen Factory put out. Like, if you actually have a true 3D television, like Sean used to have, like you'd be able to watch it that way instead of using the fucking blue and red, you know, cardboard glasses. You can call my brother. He's got a 3D TV. <laughs> he does? Well, shit. Well, that's, yeah. that's where we're going to be watching Halloween th- or Friday the 13th Part 3 next. So, All right. Well, then, without further ado, let's move on to... Eh, if, you, if you ask the general consensus, I would say that this is probably the favorite from most, oh, yeah. most fans. Part 4. It's my Friday favorite. Friday the 13th Part 4, the final chapter... been screaming for. 
Friday, the 13th, the final chapter. Jason is back. He moves like a shadow. Dark and silent. Sorry you change your mind? He never utters a word. He doesn't even seem to breathe. Where the hell's the corkscrew? He simply, mindlessly, <laughs> mercilessly, <laughs> kills. But now, Jason's reign of terror is over. Friday the 13th, the final chapter. Friday, April 13th, is Jason's unlucky day. After being announced dead and taken to a morgue, Jason Voorhees spontaneously revives, escapes from the hospital, and stalks a group of friends renting a house in the countryside near Crystal Lake. So once again, we're not in Crystal Lake. We are near Crystal Lake. These um, surroundings of Crystal Lake, there's a lot going on. Jason likes to hang out around town. But uh, now, like I said, this is like so many people love this one. Jocelyn, I'm going to let you speak up first. Oh, it's Crispin Glover. Come on now. Crispin <laughs> Glover. <laughs> his weird fucking dancing. And, uh, and dance. I was just about to say, he was doing the Little Kicks dance before Seinfeld made it a thing. <laughs> the Little Kicks. I love that episode. I love that you referenced that. That's <laughs> that was the, like uh, the first thing I thought of when I, I was watching it on YouTube. <laughs> Well, Coy, the Little Kicks episode of Seinfeld is one of our personal favorites. The Death Blow. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, we're missing the Death Blow. We're missing the Death Blow. <laughs> that's like my favorite Seinfeld on there. episode. Yeah. No, oh, that's, that's a good, so good. one. And, um, you know, speaking of favorites, this is my favorite of the franchise. Uh, I, you know, I enjoy the later entries uh, for what they are, but... I think this has a good balance of uh, strangeness and uh, but still being serious enough. So yeah, this one's always been my favorite because I actually like the cast somewhat. Like Crispin Glover, I, I just love his weirdness. And I, I love Corey Feldman. I was a huge fan yeah, of him Corey back Feldman. in the day. Who, and he, He's essentially playing uh, Tom Savini. He is, and he's great. Like I, he was so cool. Like I just wanted to be him. Like when I saw this movie, like you know, with the monster masks and everything like that. And I, mm-hmm. I, I love the whole ending, the whole idea of him trying to look like Jason. I mean, does it make a whole lot of sense? Not fucking really, but I mean, you know, what are you gonna do? What else are you gonna do it with the movie? So, huh. yeah, it, it doesn't. But it makes about <laughs> as much sense as anything else in the franchise. So you know, I'll go with it. I do want to step in and say that's probably my favorite performance in the whole series. Honestly, Corey Feldman, like, not that it's like an all-star Oscar award-winning performance, but like, it, he he played such a good role in that movie, and it's obviously like an homage to, like you said, Tom Savini. So I was I was always kind of like cognizant of that and appreciative. So yeah, and um, I forgot what I was gonna say was something else I wanted to mention about this one too. I mean. Directed by Joseph Zito, who previously directed The Prowler, who went on to direct a bunch of Chuck Norris movies, I believe, in the eighties. But um, yeah, there's it's it's uh, there's also uh, Ted White, who we just lost unfortunately, who plays Jason in this one. 
one of my favorite Jasons underneath a Brooker and Hodder. Uh, let's see what else is part four. I mean, we, I guess we can get into the goddamn story right now. Not the story itself, but the um, the timeline because it makes no sense. So, part two ends. Part two actually takes place on Friday the thirteenth. Part three happens, which is taking place the next day. Okay, part three takes place the day after part two. So on it's now Saturday the fourteenth. Exactly. That all happens in one day as well. And then they take Jason away in the Ambo. Hold that thought. That's the next thing I want to talk about. It's this film's opening. And now he escapes, goes back to the area surrounding Crystal Lake for some more killing. And we're now on Saturday or Sunday the 15th. Even though. There's a character that we're going to be introduced to in this movie whose name is Rob. He's a hitchhiker guy. And he's looking for his sister who's gone missing. His sister Sandra, who's in the second film, that's who he's looking for. Who's Who I mentioned gets the uh, the, the Bay of Blood shish kebab death. Yeah, that girl, Sandra. This guy Rob plays her big brother and he's looking for her because she's been you know missing for a while. When you look back at things, this is only two days later. It makes no goddamn sense why he's out there looking for his sister, like, in survival mode and shit with, like, you know, a tent and everything. It's like, wait a minute. You're looking for who? I always thought these movies took place, like, years in between each other. I never yeah, realized. me too. <laughs> no, 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 no. These, these earlier films take place days after the other. It's a whole lot. Literally, it's a whole lot dumber. Yeah. I also want to mention this movie is also called The Final Chapter, and then they made eight more movies. So this yes. is this is the reason why I hate <laughs> like all right. So <laughs> follow up movies. So well, I just quick. want to say, like, I'm not too aghast by the fact that it takes place over a few days and that he's like super frantic about finding them. I mean, if somebody went missing after 24, 48 hours, Andrew, you the are, police like, tell you to wait 48 hours to file a report. It's not even, yeah, it hasn't even been that level, long. It's not, it's not like offensively terrible. If yeah, you went missing for one day, I'm not going to start packing up my tent, my boots, my hunting knife, and shit like that. <laughs> okay, and that's going fine. Out that's looking fair enough. For I get you. that. No yeah. offense. I agree. Sorry. I'm just saying, hey. some people are fucking wild. <laughs> Got that right. But, uh, no. Um, what were we just talking about? Yeah, we're still in the timeline. How dumb okay. the timeline is. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, I, I feel like it's not an issue for most people because most people don't know about it. I feel like the only people that care is like movie nerds like you and I uh, that like study this franchise and actually try to follow and make sense of anything. And then you realize it really doesn't make any fucking sense. And then I just gave up and just like, all right, I'll just it watch them. I don't even want to think about me. it. Huh? Sorry. I said, it bothers me. It bothers me too, but then I just gave up on it. It's like, yeah, whatever. Uh, so yeah, another thing I love about this movie is the opening. So this literally starts at the scene of the crime of part three that night. Uh, all of the medics, the cops, choppers are all there. I love this panning shot when they all clear out after they're, you know, they're, they're taking Jason to the hospital and they're taking... 
Chris and everyone, or it's just Chris at this point who survived, you know, to the station and shit like that. And they all leave together. But Zito chooses to keep the camera still in the same place until they all go away. And it's just quiet night silence and, and, and like the dark. I, 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 watch the opening for this movie if you, if you don't know what I'm talking about. It's it's some of the best stuff in this entire franchise. I love it. I love what Zito does in this the first ten minutes of this movie. Not even ten minutes, five minutes rather. It's it's great. Yeah, this is this is one of my favorite films of the franchise. This is like easily top three. I wouldn't say it's my favorite, but no, Jocelyn. Um, that's what I wanted to mention. Uh, final chapter. They had all the best intentions to make this the final film but yeah. money talks bullshit walks and a year later they just could not help themselves they had to they're go like back it made to the how well. much yeah they're like it made how much okay yeah. and frank Man- frank mancuso jr is like i guess a fifth film is not out of the realm of possibility i mean unless it actually wasn't and they, it was just their ploy to get people to come out, you know, like, oh, let's see how it ends. And then they're like, surprise, bitch, Friday the 13th, part five. No, you know? they actually told Zito, and that's why they brought back Tom Savini, because oh, he did the gotcha. effects for the first film. And they just kind of wanted to bring him back to, you know, he, he kind of technically, he created Jason technically, and they wanted him to come back to kill him off, essentially. So they had every intention, they had good intentions, pure intentions of actually ending this fucker with this film, but... You just couldn't follow through. Yeah. And even, like, when you look at the, the entire, like, you, like, take a step back and look at the entire franchise, it does feel like the end of the first chapter of, like, it, it becomes something else after part four, you know? Part five is like is. a stopgap. Yeah, part five's like a stopgap. And then part six just takes it in a completely different zombie Jason. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So it's like zombie and, Jason. Yeah. And previous episode. Four, and part four is the um, like the culmination and the best version. The first four are essentially the same story. You put a bunch of kids in the woods and somebody kills them one by one. The, the 10 little Indian story. So uh, this is the best version of it. And it, it just makes sense to kind of stop telling that same story over and over again with this one. So the final chapter, even though it ended up not being true, technically, I think it, it still kind of, it makes a kind of sense for the series. Yeah. And then they uh, started telling a new story, a much shittier one in the fifth one. <laughs> <laughs> That's... <laughs> yeah, I've, I've always seen this as an actual final chapter. I mean, it is a final chapter for who I consider, like, human Jason, because he's still pure in these first yeah. few films. I always look at Jason as an actual person, like you and I. And then they fuck his world up in this movie, and then <laughs> he goes and decomposes underground, six feet under for about a decade or so, and then enter part ahead six. Of yourself. I am, I am, I am. So, all right, well, then we can move on then to part five, because something tells me we don't have a whole lot to say about this one it's my least favorite
the memory of Jason still haunts you. You're not alone. Friday the 13th, part five, a new beginning. Severe trauma at age 12. Brutal self-defense murder of a psychopathic killer. Boy, they've given him every therapy they can think of. It's wonder his mind isn't fried with all the drugs I've given him. The mindless, murderous fury that was buried with Jason has been reborn. Pete! And suddenly, terror has become child's play. Friday the 13th, part five, a new beginning. Friday the 13th, a new beginning, still haunted by his past, Tommy Jarvis, who, as a child killed Jason Voorhees, is sent to a secluded halfway house in the countryside where the killing of a young man triggers a brutal series of murders in the area. So once again, we're not in Crystal Lake, and now we're not even dealing with Jason Voorhees. And we're Uh, in the future. And we get Tommy Jarvis back, which is great because I look because four, five, and six is the Tommy Jarvis trilogy. Um, and that we, we hey we get Corey Feldman for the opening two minutes because he was filming the Goonies and they're like, hey, you want to come back and do this movie? And he's like, sure. Wait, Steven Spielberg says I can't. So. We can compromise. We can get you on set for one day and we can do this whole opening nightmare sequence. But uh, the catch is we got to do it in your backyard and there's going to be a shit ton of fake water being sprinkled down because it's supposed to take place in the rain. So yeah, this entire opening dream sequence or nightmare sequence rather uh, involving Corey Feldman uh, actually was filmed in his backyard one random night while he was in the middle of filming The Goonies. I didn't so, know that. Yeah, yeah. And that's why he's not in this movie. He's because of the Goonies. He actually is on the Crystal Lake, Crystal Lake Memories documentary saying verbatim, fucking Steven Spielberg, it's his fault I wasn't in part five. Like, he blames him like this was like the real job he wanted to do and not Probably what he for was the best. doing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I hate this movie. This is the only one in the franchise that I legitimately don't like, and I don't think really has much anything redeeming about it. It's definitely the one I've seen the least. I've only seen it a few times, and every time I watch it, I hate it even more. So, yeah, it's just, Mm. I really don't like this one. I don't have anything good to say about it. I don't hate this movie anymore. This film grew on me about ten years ago or so, finally. Um... It's one of my least favorite ones, but I don't hate it by any means necessary. I, you know, I, I, I'd rather have Jason Voorhees than Roy the paramedic. <laughs> but, you know, there are things about this movie I do like. I mean, there's some really fucking brutal death scenes in this movie. I would say that this is probably the most pissed off variation 
of a killer, and it's not even Jason himself doing the killing. Um, this also happens to be the film with the most nudity. That's because Danny Steinemann directed this movie, and prior to this, he was kind of like a sleazebag, triple X director, sort of. So, there's that. Um, he basically wanted every single actor and actress that was in this movie to strip down naked. So, uh, part five also happens to be, um, oh, it's got, uh, Miguel Nunez. Ooh, That's, baby, I couldn't remember ooh, baby, ooh, I couldn't his damn burritos. Damn, damn enchiladas. Damn enchiladas, that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> so damn enchiladas. He gets fucking killed taking a shit. And that's not the worst way to, to, to die. <laughs> that's my favorite part of the movie. Yeah. That's- <laughs> oh, mine too. Now I forget, what's the guy's motivation for killing everybody in this one? So there's He's a an scene, asshole. There, no, yeah. There's, because it, it takes place, like I said, this halfway house. And there's a scene earlier in the movie where this like fucking sloppy overweight kids going around trying to talk to girls and then he's offering people bites of his disgusting candy bar and there's this guy who's like cutting down um this tree or with like this axe and uh he offers him his candy bar and he was like he doesn't want it and basically what happens is he says he calls him something and walks away so the guy at the axe turns and starts hacking him in the back and kills him and turns out the kid who got you know fucking just hacked up um, by suicide from, from Return of the Living Dead because that's the guy who plays suicide from that film plays the guy with the axe in this one who kills uh, Joey that's the, that's the guy, who, the kid who dies. And anyway, long story short, the guy, Roy, the paramedic that we see in like two or three scenes earlier in the film, it's his, he's the father, turns out. So he's yeah, getting revenge. Yeah, I thought it was like a, a dead kid revenge thing. It's a revenge that. story, yeah. Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this movie is categorically bad. And that's all I have to say about it. But uh, it's um, Mark Venturini, uh, who unfortunately passed away back in 96, was suicide and Return of the Living Dead. And he plays Vic in this movie. That's his name, Vic. And is this um, the one where I think it's a husband and wife where the wife is constantly berating the husband? It's you're, it, Okay, this is that movie, but it's not a husband and wife. It's a mother and son. Mother and son, right? Okay, yeah, I knew it was one or the other. It's junior. It's, just, it's, it's like cringy, um, it's cringy humor, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm trying yeah. to think of what the woman's name is. It's um, I'm just trying to make sure I'm remembering this one correctly. Ethel. Her name is Ethel, and she's yeah, right. like she ridicules her son Junior, and. His death scene is like he's in the backyard on his fucking motorcycle and shit, running, doing laps, pissed off because in the scene prior he lost to a he lost he got his ass kicked by Tommy Jarvis and he's like running around like mama and she's like in the kitchen like fucking cutting up this duck and shit making this stew like egging him on and he's just running around until a fucking all of a sudden a hatchet comes out and cuts his head off, right. 
And then she gets a hatchet to the face through the window as she's making this disgusting stew. But, um, yeah, that and, um, what the hell? One of the fucking deputies in this movie, one of the cops, is played by, um, uh, what's his face? Is uh, Paul Walker's father in Varsity Blues. That's all I got. <laughs> so, all right. Um, then, like I said, it's years later because Tommy Jarvis is now like 17, 18. I mean, I'm sure he's trying to play off as a 15, 16 year old, but he looks like he's damn near 20. Uh, so, yeah, that's pretty much. Unless anybody else wants to mention anything, we can move on. All right. I will take that silence as they move the fuck on. So in Friday the 13th Part 6, Jason lives. Tommy Jarvis exhumes Jason Voorhees to cremate his corpse, but inadvertently brings him back to life instead. The newly revived killer seeks revenge, and Tommy may be the only one who can stop him. Ah, Jason lives, yeah. which over the years my- has become my favorite. Jason, Corey and I, we cover this film as well. Good episode, yeah. It was a fun episode, because yeah, it's your favorite. It's definitely my second favorite. I think this is completely different than the fourth one, but I just enjoy it. I just I look at it as a horror comedy, like because that's straight up what it is. I mean, it's a it, horror it comedy hilarious. through and through. Yeah, it is funny. I I mean, you literally have ca- um some characters talking to the camera. I mean, that's what they were going for, and it's great. Because what else are you gonna do when a guy digs up a uh, dead body and brings it back to life with a lightning through a metal rod. Like, it's, you just it's Frankenstein. Go it's total Frankenstein. It's the Frankenstein opening. That's the way that uh, Tom McLaughlin, the director, that's what he had in mind. That's how he wanted to open. That's that's how he wanted to bring back Jason because New Lines, or not New Line, that's Freddy. Paramount said to him, do whatever you want. He's like, how, you know, are there, are there any rules? He's like, just bring him back however you can, you know, make this right. Bring Jason back. So that's what he did. Tom McLaughlin brought him back, and that's how he wanted to do it. He wanted to do an old... He's a big Universal Monsters fan, that Universal Horror. So he wanted to do the old Frankenstein resurrection. 
And that's it, you know? This movie's so tongue-in-cheek. I'm probably going to have the least to say for this episode in particular because, like Corey just mentioned, it. we covered this, and I had... I, I We spoke on this for, like, three whole hours. So, um... But we have three other people who were not in that episode. So, um, starting with Jocelyn, where do you stand on this movie? Do you remember this movie? Does anything stand out to you? What's up? Uh, no, I do not. I don't remember it. <laughs> That's all right. All right. I mean, if anything, this is the finale of the uh, Tommy Jarvis trilogy. This time yep, he's Tom now Matthews, played by baby. Tom Matthews, fan favorite. Love it. Um... Yeah, and it's just, I guess just also wanted to mention like just the, the the little nods that Tom Laughlin has sprinkled out throughout the movie with that goes that harkens back to the Universal monster stuff. Like he has the character Megan Tommy meet him at uh oh, what's the name of the the market? Um, who played uh, Karloff's Karloff's General Store? Like Boris Karloff, shit like that. That's the kind of stuff the nod you'll get in the movie. So, um, Andrew, you haven't talked in a little bit. Where are you at on part six? Well, like I said, part five is categorically bad, but part six is pretty damn good. I really, really thoroughly enjoy part six. Like, it's not the greatest story in the world, but as a horror fan, this, this film has a lot of meat on the bone, to say the least. I really thoroughly enjoy Jason in this. Um, you already mentioned it, but I was going to actually bring up um, Shelley's Frankenstein. That's obvious, uh, an obvious nod to Frankenstein, how they brought him back. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I always I always really liked how they brought him back, like the whole morale argument they had up till they just dug up the body and did it. Um, it, it this game, this uh, movie is very like thought-provoking in a way as far as each move they make in it. So it's the first Friday the 13th film that isn't just like, Jason's going to haul off and fucking murder people. Sit around and watch it. You know what I mean? So I, I always <laughs> liked Six a whole lot. Yeah, it's... It's, it's my second favorite, I'll say. Yeah, yeah I mean, what's, what's there not to love? I mean, you got Horshack from Welcome Back, Cotter, getting his goddamn heart punched out of his chest in the opening five minutes. It's the <laughs> uh, the on-screen date, the film... the the. The movie debut or film debut of Tony Goldwyn, uh, John Travolta's has, nephew, Tom Fridley's in this movie playing court. And uh, I actually like the fact that there's actually like it's actually at the camp and it has kids in the camp. This is like the first time there's actually kids we in the camp. We have kids finally. It only took us six goddamn movies, but we finally have campers. And, and they and it's hilarious. The kids, like you know, it's I just love like the little lines touch. the kids it's, have. It's a good touch. It's something different. We actually get to see the kids that they're talking about. They're supposed to be watching. We never see them though in these movies. Uh, but no, um, because they all uh, drowned. Well, well, yeah, that's right. You're right. They all did. They drowned. Uh, yeah, Corey, we're back at Crystal Lake. We're, we're actually at Crystal Lake for the first time since the first film, and it's not even called Crystal Lake. They changed the fucking name of the of the, the area. Which I can't yeah. really blame them. Camp Forest <laughs> Green is the new name. But yeah, uh, Justin, where are you at on this one? Well, you guys keep 
mentioning the um, the obvious Frankenstein illusions, but you failed to mention the obvious James Bond illusion that the film also makes. I was waiting for you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I had never seen part six or seven until last year. I, I rented them both from the Get library. Get the fuck I, out of here. Yeah, I just, I just, again, I'm not a huge, I love, I don't think I mentioned it when talking about part four. Part four is my, my favorite of the bunch. And okay. I, I love that. That's just one of my favorite slasher movies, period. I just love that movie for some reason. Huh. Um, but it, it, that was enough for me. Like, part five was terrible. And it was like, I don't need any more Jason. Like, it's it when I when these movies were coming out, I was too young to appreciate the joke and just was annoyed that they kept churning these things out with mm-hmm. more uh, more ridiculous premises every time. Um, now I'm a little bit older, a lot older, a little bit. I don't know where the fuck that came from. I'm a lot older. And, um, <laughs> You're being can, modest. Can, can appreciate the joke and, and the nods and all that. Now, having said that, when I watched it last year, I fucking hated it. I'm like, this movie is awful. Except for the first five, <laughs> ten minutes. I think the first five or ten minutes are amazing. And I was like, oh, my God, this is going to be really good. And then it just went completely downhill. And my biggest gripe, and let me preface my biggest gripe by saying, you guys, I, I just about a month or so ago, month, month and a half ago, listened to your episode on part six. And you guys kind of changed my the way I look at it somewhat. Um, my biggest gripe at the time was that for a slasher movie, it cuts away from all the kills. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, this is the whole movie's reason for existing. And the, you're going to cut away from the kills? And you guys, Yeah, you guys mentioned it. It ran in the ratings issue. So, um, but it, it, at no point they didn't release an unrated cut of this thing? No, because all the, all that stuff was just on the cutting room floor. Damn, uh, destroyed. I mean, part yeah. six, I mean, part seven, the next one we're going to talk about is like... That's probably the thing it's famous, the most infamous for is all the X-rated gore shit that was just right. essentially cut by the MPA, and then even all that footage, that raw footage, was just destroyed. I just want to say though, and I'll agree with Justin, like as big of a fucking franchise as this was, as much money as these mo- movies were raking in. Y'all really weren't protective of what could have happened after the fact. Like, y'all really didn't preserve these footages to present it in a later date. Well, okay. Home home video was the 1980s, and Paramount what it was. VHS was definitely alive and well. But you didn't put deleted scenes on VHS like that. DVD wasn't a thing back then. It just blows my mind, because as a producer, I always... if I were a producer, I was say what the fuck as did you <laughs> Hey guys, I'm a, I'm a producer. No, if I if I was a producer, I would have to think to myself like, why would I not want to save this to make money off of it? Like you got to future proof some shit. You know what I mean? No, like, it, it blows my mind that a lot of these horror films, because I it, it's a broad statement. A lot of these horror films, especially from the '80s. They don't like, take these movies seriously. They didn't look at these movies the way that we do now, like back then. They look at the, they look at these movies like shit, fucking stuff that they can put out for dirt cheap, you know, and make a quick buck off of. They weren't some, looking at it like longevity. Like they weren't thinking yeah, some, about 
you know, all the shit that they could fucking keep and, and, and put together for special features and stuff like that. Like, no. that, none of that stuff Sure, I get mind. that. Like, I get that. But after six of these motherfuckers, you didn't think to yourself, like, man, this could go the long Paramount saw that at six different times. They got paid. Just yeah. mind-blowing. And some of the, a lot of the, a lot of the crew just looked at it like, oh, shit, I gotta make this movie? All right, well, that's a paycheck. Yeah, horror was shunned upon back in the 80s, especially from the fact that, like, they were just all about getting gorier and gorier, because all these up-and-coming makeup effects artists were, like, doing it for cheap and doing it for really, they were doing good jobs. So, you know, they were doing fucking quality work for cheap, and these were just nothing but just endless gore flicks. That's how these studios saw them as. I mean, we're talking about Paramount Pictures, like, you know, it's a respected movie company, for Christ's sake. They and weren't looking at this like anything, you know, fancy. And in the 80s, these kind of movies weren't just ignored by people who didn't like them. Like, there were whole crusades against these kind of movies. Like, you know, that infamous Siskel and Ebert episode where they talk about slasher movies. Oh, yeah. Or, like, the video nasties in Britain. Like, it wasn't like people just were like, oh, that's not my thing, and they ignored it. Like, they really thought these were doing harm to to kids, you know? So, um, there wasn't a lot, there was not a lot of respect for them at the time. Um, which is part of the reason why I just I think I don't enjoy horror movies as much nowadays is because they've gained a respectability that kind of takes some of the fun out of it. Like these movies were fun in the 80s when you kind of like if your parents wouldn't let you watch them, you had to sneak you you'd go over a friend's house and sneak them like, you know, an older brother would show you or somebody else's parents. But, I mean, my parents, right, right. they'd let me watch anything for the most part. But like, Same. you know. So it just, there was a, a little cachet to it that just doesn't exist nowadays. Um, yeah, they were really disreputable at the time. Yeah. So, all right. Part seven. The New Blood. This is the one you've been waiting for. What's happening to me? Your psychokinesis and these delusions are no, you're not listening to me! The one you've been asking for. Hey, Tina, isn't this the way they wear their jackets back in the mental hospital? <laughs> Concentrate. Concentrate, Tina! The one you've been dying for. You people give me the creeps. Okay, you big hunk of a man, come and get me! Jason <laughs> is back. This time, someone is waiting. Friday the 13th, Part 7 of the New Blood, Jason Voorhees is accidentally freed from his watery prison by a telekinetic teenager. Now, 
Only she can stop him. So, up until recently, this was my favorite Friday film. I, I, mean, I still love this movie. I'm not going to sit here and act like it was like, you know, like I'm not going to downplay this one bit. I love this movie. I, I love the batshit crazy plot. You have Jason going against Carrie, essentially. Even though originally, back before this film was, you know, actually made, that this was pre-planned to be Freddy versus Jason. It was supposed to be this one. That's why... We have a random Friday the 13th sequel where Jason's suddenly facing off against someone not human. Or they're, they're human, they just have these fucking powers. She's telekinetic. And it, it makes for one crazy-ass third act, let me tell you that. Um, but yeah, this movie's the most fucking... This is the most violent one. This is... Uh, John Carl Beekler directed it, who's a, one of the famous makeup effects artists from this from the 80s. He did a lot of like Charles Band stuff. Um like a lot of the full moon Charles Band um uh Empire films, stuff like that. That was that was his uh niche. Uh but yeah, this movie, you know, it's a lot going on. My favorite look of Jason. He's got the deformed mask. He's got... Like, he's, you can see, like, bones coming from him because he's been underwater for so long. I mean, and this is also when he goes back... Yeah, Kane Hodder for playing Jason for the first time for the next four movies. And this is also where we can start questioning the timeline again because the film opens with this girl, Tina, who inadvertently kills her father. And it happens... On a pier above where Jason is underwater. But she... It doesn't matter up, though, because Jason's clearly still down there when this happens in the opening scene. She's a little girl. And now she's grown up, like, 15, 20 years later, or whatever it is, or supposed to be. And Jason's still down there, and now... It, it, it just doesn't make sense. So it's like we're led to believe that this... Now we're in the future? Is that where we are in these movies? Technically, yep. yes. If you they sit there, the, the, the most impossible thing you could possibly do is sit here and try and pinpoint a timeline. A, a, um, a, a functional one. You know, one that makes any sense at all. Because this is where we start getting into, like, monkey wrenches and stuff. You think you got the first, you know, four or five movies figured out timeline-wise. Well, now we're going to throw this shit at you. Where Jason's now all of a sudden down in this, you know, underwater prison because he's wrapped in chains and shit because of what Tommy did to him at the end of part six. And now, he's, supposedly he's been down there for like 20 years. Okay, yeah. movie's going to movie. Sure. <laughs> yeah. But like I said, I this is where, this is where I, you know, I, I love the death scenes in this movie. Like, I think Jason's the most pissed off. He has, like, the biggest collection of different tools and weapons to choose from. I think this every kill is mean. different. He is so yeah. mean, dude. He's so pissed it's, off. Yeah, I, I I, mean, I, you know, I think most people are in this camp, but Kane Hodder just adds so much uh, to the role, just in his movements. Like, way he even breathes. when he's not... Yeah, when he even when he's just standing there breathing, he looks fucking intimidating and brutal. Like, I mean, I just love uh, the way Jason looks in this film. I love, obviously... 
Kane Hodder's performance. I like the idea of the, um, you know, Carrie versus Jason. Is it ridiculous? Sure. But I mean, we're on the seventh movie it's by now. It's dumb as so. hell, but I'm here for it. Yeah, it's entertaining, and I like seeing uh, Bernie Lomax in there, too, so yeah, that's pretty entertaining. Terry Kaiser's in this movie. I forgot to mention that. Bernie Lomax, Weekend of Bernie's. <laughs> um, I mean, shit, this is the one I, I, I'm looking at my Part 7 poster right now that I bought, my one sheet that I got at that horror convention that I met where I met Richard Brooker, and I also met Laura Park Lincoln, who plays Tina. She signed it for me, 2A, Laura Park Lincoln. I had the biggest crush on her when I was a kid. I really did. And she was also in House 2, the, sec- the second story. So, But yeah, we're, uh, Jocelyn, does this one come to mind? Do you remember this one? Do you remember Jason going off fighting Carrie? Uh, yeah, I mean, now that you guys mentioned the whole Carrie thing, I don't think I've ever seen this movie in my entire life. <laughs> we need to rectify that. I need to, I need to lay this movie on you. It's fucking I was like, awesome. Like, I don't even remember any of this. Yeah, I so. definitely had to lay this movie on you. It's fucking insane. Yeah, that's where I stand. <laughs> Andrew? It's my favorite because it's the only Fire the 13 film that actually has like continuity to it. Any sort of story How so? whatsoever. Continuity? Continuity? Do you Maybe even know what said? None of it makes any goddamn sense. I, I didn't mean to say continuity. Like, any sort of story to it. Like, okay. the, all the other ones have some form of a story that's just kind of rambling off the rest of it. This is the only one where it's like, you can watch Friday the 13th Part 7 by itself and never see another one and understand what's going on. So you could. This, 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 you know, you're right. This actually technically could stand service as a standalone movie. I mean, you could look at it as a standalone title. You don't necessarily have to see. Not to mention, this movie starts with fucking Crazy Ralph from parts one and two, narrating the events of the first six movies. <laughs> no, that's literally how it starts. It's, it's. Oh, no, I remember. <laughs> it's the guy who plays Crazy Ralph who came back to narrate because he recorded his dialogue or whatever right before he passed away. And, uh, yeah, he's just narrating a bunch, and it's all shots from the first bunch of movies, and then it ends with, he's down there waiting. And then you get the mask that cracks in half and breaks off, and you get the do, 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 do. That's the credits. Sorry. I did say that correctly, continuity. Like, you could take this away from the rest of the timeline, and it definitely stands on its own. This has nothing to do with the rest of the franchise. It's just a badass Jason film. Yeah, but that's Jason. the opposite of continuity. Thank yeah, you. it's bad continuity. <laughs> All right, so, I was okay, going to so, sit but, here in silence and just listen to you just go and try and tell us... <laughs> <laughs> Big words. Sometimes I love you use you. them out of context. Anyway, <laughs> like Halloween, Halloween three, good continuity with the rest of the series. You know, oh, so it has man. no continuity. I love it. I love you anyway. so much. Never change. We're gonna move away from the subject. Point <laughs> is, it's a no best film, and we should you should watch it. Yeah, you should watch it. Maybe uh, I'll I'll think about it. You should. You should definitely should. <laughs> All right. Well, in the meantime. Let's go to New York. Hold Friday on, before, third... you, before you oh, move okay. on, it, uh, with, I, I'm looking at what I wrote in Letterbox about this one, and I'm trying to remember this scene because I remember loving it at the time. Okay, what's I up? Wrote, 
the severed head and the potted plant headbutting Jason is very funny. What is? I don't even remember <laughs> what. <that> was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, it's not a severed head. I don't know where severed head come, came from, but there's a she. Um, Carrie, yeah, Carrie makes a potted plant hit like knock Jason down or something like that, and and, and like in in the third act. Is she, there a head in it? No. <laughs> Maybe. The only severed head in part seven. Someone does get decapitated, but it's off screen. I don't think you. I don't recall you even seeing their head. No, no, there's no decapitation. No, there's a decapitation in six. And now that I think about it, the potted plant that I'm thinking about is actually more of a fucking lamp. So, Jesus Christ! Now I, gotta I don't go know. Continuity. Well, <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. I'm, I'm well, anyway, fifty like shades every, of lost right now. I watched. Um, this one right after part six and after part six it felt like Simpson came to me like I just thought this was a big improvement <laughs> like the, the the kills were actually fun like the intentional comedy was gone and any comedy was unintentional which I like better in a horror movie um so yeah this is probably I like number the, number four is my favorite number three is my second favorite and then this one in part two I could interchange it three and four I'd probably give this one the upper hand, though, because, like you guys mentioned, I think this is my favorite iteration of Jason look-wise. Um, the decomposing Jason look is just, it's pretty fucking awesome. It's its my favorite appearance. It's, it's, yeah, I love this yeah. look. This design is just ace. And, yeah, I mean, this movie is like a polar opposite of the sixth movie, you know? There's no humor at all in this movie at all. Right. It's just Jason's here and he's going to fuck your day up. Just saying. So, all right. Well, then now we can go to New York. Friday the 13th, part 8. Jason takes Manhattan. Jason Voorhees is accidentally awakened from his watery grave, and he ends up stalking a ship full of graduating high school students heading to Manhattan, New York. And uh, I just want to say, they could probably just call this Jason Goes to Sea, because, or Jason <laughs> Sails on a Lake, because that's essentially what this whole movie is. And when you talk... 
when you talk about how dumb things are, so they are on a lake, on a boat, and then somehow this lake and boat connects to Manhattan? I, I don't know. But it, <laughs> it's just this whole movie's stupid, but I like the fact that Jason's on a boat. Uh, they should have called this Friday the 13th Part 8 Cabin Boy. No, the, the fucking movie, <laughs> it doesn't make sense because, all right, we've established that Camp Crystal Lake is in New Jersey. Okay. So you're telling me, movie, that you are going to board a cruise in the lake, Crystal Lake in Jersey, from a lake in Jersey to go to New York. You can't drive? <laughs> Why are we taking a cruise to New York <laughs> that's like... Like a half hour away, just the take the turnpike. Close. Just take the <laughs> fucking turnpike. <laughs> you know, I don't know. It's 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 crazy. I, you know what? Movie's gonna movie. So yeah, it, it's pretty bad. This one's pretty bad. I don't hate it or anything. I mean, I always remember Jason punching a dude's head off on a roof. So I mean, that was pretty entertaining <laughs> at the end. And I like when Jason just fucking knocks the boombox over, like when he's walking, like one of the few scenes where he's actually in Manhattan and not in Canada or wherever the hell yeah, else they Vancouver. shot this movie. Vancouver. Yeah, so it it's just pretty funny. He but just it, it, this, flips his mask and the guy's like, it's cool, man. It's cool. It, you know, at this point, like, you know, the franchise running out of steam. Paramount knew that the days were numbered, the budget was cut. They couldn't do much, but, you know, it's not bad. It still has Kane Hodder in there, and, you know, there's, there's a couple parts I remember from it. So it, it's on the lower end, but I don't dislike it. Like, I've seen it several times. It's all right. Nothing says budget cuts, like calling it Jason Takes Manhattan and not take place in Manhattan. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. This is actually the one that I had. I, this is the first Friday the 13th film that I owned on VHS. Um... I got it like a couple years after it came out from Suncoast. Love the cover. Yeah. I thought the film actually was in New York more than it was in the end. (laughs) Um, I think everybody did when they first watched it. There is that. The thing about this movie, I'm never going to be able to figure out the ending. Ever. It doesn't make sense. So, this movie... He got swaddled, swallowed no, alive in poop water. No, fuck that. No, 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 no. Poop Let's water. fucking... Pe- no, 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 no. Let's fucking think about this one, okay? So, this movie's trying to tell me that at midnight, every single night in New York City, the sewers get overflowed with toxic waste that's just... <laughs> This is randomly for no goddamn reason, no good goddamn reason whatsoever. Just all the sewage, all the sewers in New York City get flooded with toxic waste. And this is the kind of toxic waste that apparently when you touch it, you turn back into a little boy who's like, you know, hovering. (laughs) Just you're just on your fucking throwing up in a ball like cold and, and calm the fuck on movie. Mayor Giuliani was trying to do anything to fix that city. A toxic (laughs) waste, yeah. Uh, Checks out to me, you know. I mean, it's like some fucking... It's like some evil Ninja Turtles villain. That's like something that they would try doing. Like, you know, it's like something you would... That the Turtles are trying to stop them from... It's just... I don't... this, this, This is... I can't even fucking make words out of this. This fucking ending... I'm baffled. That's I'm more I'm concerned about the baffled. psychopathic killer in the fucking sewers and the turtles. Yeah, it just, I, uh, 
It's bad. I I just imagine like some guy was like, I gotta write what? I gotta write a fucking ending for this the eighth one. All right, let me. <laughs> like, all right, like, he gets oh, washed in. Think about this. <laughs> He's They're like, gonna be in the lips. sewers. He gets Toxic washed words. into. It's, Jason no, it's takes like, Manhattan. I thought you said Jason on a boat. No, it's just it'll be like Mad Libs. It'll be like Jason then gets washed into the sewer. And then he gets hit by toxic waste and then becomes blank a kid. Like, that's just probably what it was. Like, just some guy banging it out. Or maybe they had, like, a bunch of monkeys with typewriters and this is what they came up with. I mean, at this point, we don't know what was going on at Paramount. It was bring your kid to work day and this is what we came up with. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad. I don't know. I, it's so dumb. I can't really hate this movie. It, it's just forgettable. It's just an entire sewage of that, like... TGRI shit from Ninja Turtles Part 2 that just I don't know well, this, this movie sucks and the other <laughs> thing we haven't talked about is Jason just kind of fucking teleports everywhere on the ship like I mean it's just yeah. like one scene he's like in one spot <laughs> a second later like he's in another spot and it's just like damn this motherfucker's got some uh Nightcrawler skills right now because he's movie just jumping everywhere. The movie acknowledges it. The movie actually makes a mockery out of it in two different scenes. One is when the fucking guy is running up the fucking pole trying to get away from Jason and all of a sudden he's underneath him and yanks him down and he like fucking gets impaled by that pole. And the other scene, fucking Kelly Hughes' character when she's in the goddamn dance club and Jason is just... He's even looking at himself like, hey, Jason, number one. Hey, Jason, number two. Hey, Jason, number three. It's like this movie's clearly making a fucking mockery out of this shit. Like instead of explaining it or I don't know, like dial it back, movie. It's too much. It's way too much. Uh, There are three things that I love about this movie. Oh, the God. front cover, the front cover of the VHS with him oh, yeah, like from that. It's, it's one that's of the best I, I wanted to, I wanted to emulate that. That's that's a fucking fantastic cover. Uh, the other thing I want to say is the iconic image of him busting through that window and grabbing the redhead by the throat. You think <clears> that's iconic? Reason, I mean, it is for horror fans, I suppose. Like for whatever reason, that image always sticks in my head. And then. The decapitation on the roof. We spoke about it a little bit, but we didn't speak about it enough. It's so fucking bad. Take your best shot, motherfucker. Grabs him and just fucking punches his head clear off his shoulders. It just goes... Jason's punch out, man. That's a game that they should have made. Jason's punch punch out. out. You get your head fucking blown off at the end if you get punched by Jason. That scene is so miserably done that I love it. I can watch it over and over again, and it's just as good as it was the first time. Oh, yeah, it's hilarious. I love that. That's my favorite scene of the movie, definitely. And the fact that his head lands in a fucking um, dumpster, and the dumpster closes <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Like, the weight of his head is going to close the fucking dumpster lid. The only thing it's missing whole is... whole-ass body wouldn't be able to do that. <laughs> the only thing that's missing is Jason, like, wipes his hands afterwards, like, done, my work is over. I can watch that on a 10-hour loop on YouTube, and it won't get old. <laughs> I mean, something else that I would say about this movie is that it has one of the, the least memorable heroines in Rini. That's her oh, name. I have no fucking clue who anybody is in this movie other than Jason. Yeah, Rini's played by Jensen Daggett, who is uh, Tim the Toolman Taylor's sister-in-law on, on Home Improvement. Uh, she was also in Major League, Back to the Miners. 
other than that. Who the yeah. hell did she play in Back to the Miners? Was she like Scott Bagula's girl or something? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then okay, I like that movie. That's pretty much it, other than yeah, that's pretty much where I remember her <laughs> no, from is this home improvement. Now I'm thinking of Major League Three. And Major League Goddamn Three. First there was batting cages. Then comes putt putt. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen that film and I'd really rather not. I've seen it's it good. once. <laughs> no, it's like not it. good. No, it's not. You bite <laughs> your fucking tongue. It's terrible. Oh, man. Uh, I guess one more thing that I should bring up is we get an early glimpse of Ken Kersinger in this movie, who would go on to be Jason in Freddy vs. Jason. He plays the uh, chef in this movie, who Michael My- Michael Myers listened to me, who Jason throws against that mirror as he's chasing Reenie and her boyfriend through the streets of New York. The mean streets, Gene. Yeah, let's move on. I'm tired of this one. Let's move on. Well, the only, Jason. Wait, quickly, the only thing I want to say about that movie is it's the only Friday the 13th movie I've seen in the theaters. Oh, shit. Okay. Well, and uh-huh. Freddy vs. Which, I don't know if that counts, but... Funny but enough, the, remake. the next Didn't movie the remake. is the first movie of Jason's I saw in the theaters. Death wears many different masks, but pure evil wears only one. And this is your final chance to see it. to hell the final Friday Jason goes to hell from 1993 after being blown away by a team of FBI agents Jason Voorhees needs to find a way to overcome certain death when his, mor- when his bloody remains are sent to the morgue, his heart still intact, is able to hypnotize a coroner and take over his body. And basically <laughs> from there, hell ensues. Jason commences another teen massacre while a bounty hunter discovers the only way to kill him. So this you know, is the movie I- that ties the Friday the 13th franchise to the Evil Dead franchise. Don't you ever forget that. Yeah, Tell I- him how it takes over his body. I, I just, I love the fact that, like, you're reading this, and I'm just like, this movie's so ridiculous, but I still like it. I love I, this movie. I, I defend this movie. Fuck that, I, I love I mean, this movie. I love watching the corner eat a big black fucking turd to turn into Jason, I, you know? It, <laughs> it's I have gotten, I have had the, I, I have just come around to this movie over the last decade or so, I want to say. I like uh, it. I, I have a whole love- new respect for it. Yeah, I love the opening. It's always what I've wanted. I'm like, why don't they just send a bunch of fucking SWAT teams in there and blow them up? And they do it in this one. And I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah, that's pretty awesome. And then I, the, a lot of the gore and kills are really good in this. Like, I remember it's definitely a step above a lot of the rest of the series. Because by this point, the MPAA was kind of lightening up a little bit. I mean, yeah, it's kind of sucks you don't see Jason other than in, like, reflections, which makes no fucking sense. But, you know, it... it 
I still like this one. I, I defend this one. I, is it the best one of the franchise? No, but it's definitely like in the middle for me. I, I enjoy it. I know a lot of people hate it, but I like it. I mean, this movie literally starts with Julie Michaels from Roadhouse just randomly going up to a cabin in Crystal Lake, taking off her clothes, getting in the shower. Boom, power goes out. She puts a towel on her, fights Jason, and he gets chased to this area where the SWAT team comes out of nowhere and blows Jason up. And then from there, Corner, who's played by Richard Gant from, um, he was Don King in Rocky V, fucking takes a bite out of crime, eats the heart, and hell ensues, man. This movie's wild. We get a lot of Jason's backstory in this one. We find out that he had his sister. Um, because why the hell not? Every film wants to be like Empire Strikes Back. And, uh, hey, we are now in the 30th anniversary of this movie this year. Came out in 93. Um, this is also a good segue to announce that Jason Goes to Hell, the final Friday, will be a part of the Halloween Horathon this year, where we will be celebrating its 30th anniversary with special guest director Adam Marcus. I've already talked to him. He's going to be a part of that episode. So we're going to be celebrating this film's 30th with the director later on this year. Um, also, Sean S. Cunningham, the director of the first film, came back to produce this one. He had one request, get the hockey mask off of Jason. He hates the hockey mask. That's why this movie is like a fucking who's who of different faces who are not Jason Voorhees. That's why they have the whole gimmick with him jumping different bodies and stuff like that. Because, you know, Uncle Sean didn't want the fucking mask on him. He hated it. He's like, get it off, keep it off, whatever. Yeah, and uh, just real quick, the last thing I want to say about the movie is like, uh, you know, obviously the ending, uh, just when I saw it, made me squee with joy as a young uh, Freddy... Yeah, as a young Freddie and uh, Jason fanboy at this time. And uh, yeah, I remember being disappointed for, what, nine years afterwards? But, <laughs> well, this was the first know, it was still film. cool. Well, Jason was finally a part of New Line Pictures. Jason was now on the same you know production company as as Freddie. So this, yeah. this could happen. Why? I, I didn't know any of that shit. 11 when I was or nine years or however long it was. It took a decade for the movie to finally happen. Um, they had to wait for that great writing in the fucking Freddy versus Jason. No, 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 no stop it, because we're not going to get into it. We're not going to get into that story because it's it's a fucking rabbit hole. It's it's in our episode of the Freddy versus Jason. Yeah, we're not getting back into that conversation. So, uh, Jocelyn, where do you stand on Jason going to hell? Um, I know I saw this movie, but I I honestly can't remember it like at all. It was he's, just... he's got the tiny mask with the blisters all over his head in this one not my favorite Jason look not gonna lie I've always questioned you barely why. see him I've always asked myself why does he have all those like boils and blisters and shit did the, the, the big bad toxic waste toxic from New waste. York City get him that's exactly what it is the toxic waste you know they're using logic here what did, he do? did he shrink his mask in the process? He took the fuck and he sailed the boat back to Crystal Lake. That's did how he got it, back. Did it make his mask steel all of a sudden? Because the mask is all of a sudden steel. It doesn't. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> I don't know if it 
fucking does. The corner eats a turd and turns into Jason. Shut like, up. He eats his heart. <laughs> he eats his looks heart, like a turd. Man. I don't know. I, I still like it. It's still a fun movie. The whole backstory, all that shit is kind of bad. Fun. But, and it's but it is violent fun. as shit. Oh, my God. Especially when you watch the unrated version of this movie. Oh, my God. People die in some fucking crazy ways. Especially that couple in the tent. Yeah, you know what I'm oh, talking yeah. about. You know what death scene I'm talking about. Yep. And also, rest in peace, Leslie Jordan. The first time I ever saw him was in this movie. I didn't Nobody. realize this film came out in 93. Yeah, I mentioned that like 10 minutes ago. Where you at? I don't know. I guess I wasn't listening. I said 13 years, but I thought it came out <laughs> in like 89. 13, 13's the lucky number. I thought you were going to say I thought it came out in 94. I was way off. <laughs> uh, I should also mention that uh, John D. LeMay is in this movie. He was also in the series of Friday the 13th. I asked him in person during his little Q&A that he had at that convention that I went to about a decade ago. I'm like, did uh, your uh, role in the series have anything to do with you getting a role in this movie? And he said... Maybe. So yeah. Um. Anyway, I'm, that's all I'm really gonna say about this film because, like I said, well, we'll be talking about it in full later on this year for the film's proper anniversary. Andrew, this better be important. What? I was gonna say. I think the most iconic film part of this film for me was the theatrical trailer. And that's <laughs> it. I saw it on the DVD. I thought it was hype as shit. But this film is just not great. When's the last time you no. watched it? I'd say about five years ago. Hmm. Uh, it's just it's last... too different for me. I feel. Okay. Yeah, I'll give you that. It's a departure. I I can't argue with that. And just one other quick thing is uh, New Line didn't have the rights to call it Friday the Thirteenth, so that's why now it's uh, Jason Goes to Hell, that's and right. not Friday the Thirteenth. That's right. And Voorhees is also misspelled on the mailbox in this movie. I always fucking see that and I grind my fucking teeth because I hate it. Uh, anyway, we're going to move on now to another film that's not called Friday the 13th in the form of Jason X. In the year 2455, on a routine training mission, a team of students is about to discover a life form frozen in time. Wow. They're on their way back. Prepare for docking and power up the lab. You brought him on board? Everything's under control, man. What the hell is going on? Jason Voorhees, that's what's going on. He's an unstoppable killing machine. Ah! Guys, it's okay. He just wanted his machete back. How do we get off the ship? I don't know. Look, we're gonna be all right. What, are you high? Uh-oh. <gasps> He's here. You have got to get them out of there. They slap me. I think we're finally okay. What the hell is that? You've gotta be kidding me. Oh, wow. He's been modified. Oh, you think? You guys might want to run. Don't 
I don't think he's out there. Why don't you just stick your head out and have a peek? Jason Voorhees is frozen shitless. He's in the, he's now in space, <laughs> and it takes place in the 25th century. He gets thawed, begins stalking and killing the crew of the spaceship that's transporting him to Earth 2. So this movie Evil gets an upgrade. Every fucking commercial, promo, poster, you name it, had Uber Jason. I know, I was pissed when I saw this. I was like, where the fuck is my Uber Watch Jason? Movie, that's what I was and you get I was promised. the worst design of Jason throughout the entire series until the last five minutes, maybe. Although he does kill Cronenberg at the beginning, so... Yeah, shout out David Cronenberg for being killed off in this movie. But yeah, I think I hate his look until the first... I mean, until the final five minutes. Like, I honestly think this is the worst-looking Jason. Like, they got lazy. All of a sudden, he's human. He has, like, actual, like, skin pigment. Like, what happened to the fucking boils and shit? Now he has strands of long hair. He has, like, these emotional human eyes. It's like... Cryogenics happened. Healed the shit out of him. But oh, uh, I will I will say I love the Uber Jason at the end, even though it should have been in it more. I love a couple of the uh funny spots in the film, like with the simulator, like that was pretty he funny. He got screwed. Yeah, and uh it has one of my favorite kills of the entire franchise when he freezes the girl's face and fucking smashes her. Like that's definitely one of the my favorite kills of the of the entire franchise. It's pretty awesome. I used to be a big fan of that death scene, and then all of a sudden, the internet happened. Everyone fucking started talking about that scene, and then you got the guys from fucking Mythbusters actually, like, putting that scene to the test, and yeah, I don't know. Of course, because I expected it to be realistic. <laughs> about a fucking zombie uh, slasher all, villain on a spaceship. Oh, shit on me. But yeah. Uh, Jason X. So this film was like shot in the late nineties and like it was originally going to come out in 2000 and then it got <laughs> shelved for two years by new line. And then the film leaked on the internet in 2001. That's my first time seeing this film was like a year before it finally came out theatrically. I saw it on my on computer. Your computer. Yeah, I watched it. That's how I watched it. I remember you're yes, like, "Oh that yeah, and Jane Silent Bob Strike Back." I, well, Jane Silent Bob Strike Back had already was already out. This film was hadn't even been given a fucking release date yet. It was still in the in. It was still like, just it was MIA. The, the film was sitting there waiting to be released. There wasn't even a release date announced yet when I was I watching this that. fucking movie. Yeah, I, I just remember you're like, I downloaded Jason X. It's on my computer. I was like, it's <laughs> on your computer before it's out? I'm watching this shit. And yeah. I mean, it's like terrible fucking quality. I mean, like, I, basically, I'm watching Shapes on your computer, but it, it was close enough to the movie. So I remember enjoying it, even though I was watching it on your like small 14 inch CRT computer monitor back then. But That's it right, was pretty baby. awesome. It was awesome. But yeah, it. And then finally, it got released. It got just quietly dumped in theaters fucking April of 2002. April. What a release day. Um, but yeah, um, so, and, and it 
it got quietly dumped in the theaters April 2000 of 2002 because it was like right before I graduated. I remember that. Nobody saw it. <laughs> I didn't even see it in the theater. <laughs> I already saw and, it on your computer. I didn't need to see it. In exactly. The and then I saw, and then of course, like I said, uh, the, the the DVD came out back in uh, like, like October of that year. Finally, the DVD came out. You know, I I I bought the DVD and I. They put out Jason Goes to Hell for the first time on DVD back then, too. Um, but, but, yeah, I mean, this is the last one that got released on VHS. No, I, no, it's not. Friday, Friday vs. Jason came out on VHS as well. Hell, yeah. But I, I remember this one also had one of the funniest lines for me. It's just a little quick line, but it's like one of the, like, the, I don't know, the security guys on the spaceship. Uh, and he's like one of the tough guys, and he's like, "You think that'll kill me?" And Jason stabs oh, him again. Yeah. He's like, "That'll he gets, do it." He gets it yeah, exactly. <laughs> that'll do it. I just, I just love that. It's so stupid but funny. That'll do it. I'm not gonna lie. There are elements of this movie that I get confused with Leprechaun Four, another film that took place in space. <laughs> I like Leprechaun Four, man. I like remember sometimes- trying to. I'm watching this movie and I'm expecting like this guy to take a serum and turn into like this Spider-Man, but I'm like, oh wait, that's hap- that's Leprechaun Four where that happens. That's not Jason X. <laughs> Leprechaun Four. That was like the chase for a fucking Leprechaun because there was only like one VHS copy at my Blockbuster and I kept trying to get it for weeks until I finally got a hold of it <laughs> and was not disappointed. <laughs> I think he kills somebody with a fucking lightsaber in the beginning of that movie. I just remember there was a weird space woman with her boobs hanging out. I love that part about the movie. Yeah, it was, uh, uh, what's her face from uh from Tool Time? Uh, the, the, uh, I just remember her first name is Deborah, Deb Deborah or Debbie. Whoever played the Tool Girl, Tool Time Girl, who replaced uh, Pam Anderson, yeah, she's what? in that movie. Deborah Durney, that's her name. Uh, I think that's her name. Anyway, um. Yeah, so Jason X, I, I really don't have much to add to this conversation because the movie's just kind of ho-hum. Um, anybody else want to add? The memories, not remarks, anything? No? Cyborg Jason is categorically bad. <laughs> Thank you for that, Andrew. Dynamite <laughs> drop-in. Film is not great. I do, I do remember... Goes to hell. Do what? I've never seen this one or Jason Goes to Hell. Man. <laughs> I gotta lay a bunch of these films on you, man. Jeez. No, you don't you really don't have to. <laughs> it's like, no, you don't. You you're don't. you're not missing anything. <laughs> I I do remember though the part where he freezes that woman's face and smashes her on the table. We talked like, about that a... already. Andrew, were you like gone for a while or something? <laughs> Maybe. I was letting the dog I was I was letting the dog down. <laughs> <laughs> oh take, man, take look. Alright. <laughs> Let's bring this conversation here. We got one more film to talk about before we wrap this up, and that is 2009's Friday the 13th. Did you know a young boy drowned here? He was my son. And today is his birthday. You won't believe my parents' cabin. Here we are. Very nice, huh? Just get your ass to the door. I don't want to say. Let's do it. 
not from around here, but I'm looking for my sister. She's gone missing. Have you seen her? Jane missing. She's dead. People go missing around here, they're gone for good. Yes, this is a remake. A group of young adults visit a boarded-up campsite named Crystal Lake, where they soon encounter the mysterious Jason Voorhees and his deadly intentions. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie, this movie's fucking boss. I've always been a fan of this, ever since I saw it in the theater. I, it has everything I want in a Jason film. It has quote-unquote stupendous boobs, it has gnarly death scenes. It has characters that you are supposed to hate that I hate and characters that you're supposed to root for who I root for. Um, I'm a big fan of Derek Mears' portrayal as Jason. Um, I, I think Jason himself kind of goes back to the original scary roots. There's elements of this movie that are... I'm not going to say straight up scary, but um, close, close enough, you know. Um, I like the idea of taking elements from the first four films and just combining them. And that's kind of what this movie is. It's like a smorgasbord, you know, greatest hits collection of the best of from the first several films of this of the series. And uh, yeah, for Platinum Dunes film, this film ain't bad. Uh, it's, I've, I'm, I've always been a fan of it. I've always been a defender of it. And, uh, yeah, 2009's yeah. Friday the 13th. I, I remember seeing this in theaters, and it, it's okay. It's just like a bigger budget, shinier version of the original films. But it, it it's okay, but it to me it loses too much of the charm of the original ones. So I like it enough, but it, it's, it was just kind of forgettable for me. I you know, I don't remember much about the movie. I, I've seen it twice, I think. And I remember liking it fine enough, but I don't remember a ton about it. And I just chalked that up to it. just doesn't have the charm and the nostalgia for me. So, yeah, it just doesn't stand out. I want all four of you to have a conversation about this remake while I go pee. I'll be back. Well, this will be interesting. Yeah. I'll I've, find I've, out the other three haven't seen it or something. Yeah, I haven't seen it, so... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've seen it. I saw it in theaters, like, opening day, I'm pretty sure. 
my buddy Ryan, and both of us really enjoyed it. Friday the thirteenth. Uh, yes. Yeah, it came out on Friday the thirteenth. Oh, okay. I, I thought you were <laughs> going to be like, did you actually um, see it? I, I did see it. Yes. So, uh, I I can't remember a whole lot about it because I haven't seen it since opening day, and we actually went at midnight. But I remember enjoying it. I had a good time. So. Yeah, I just can't just, bring up particular moments in the film that really wowed me. No, it, it uh, to me it doesn't really have any. It's just a shiny, good, modern version of Friday the Thirteenth. I mean, I'm sure kids that were younger around when this came out, you know, the kids were like ten or twelve or whatever, probably looked up to this film like I did of the original ones back in the '80s and '90s, you know, so. Introduces it's, it to a new generation, I guess. It's significantly better than the Nightmare remake. Like, the Nightmare on Elm Street remake oh, yeah. is just fucking bad. Oh, that's just trash, yeah. That, <laughs> that was bad. Yeah. It, there was a couple good ideas in that one, but yeah, it was pretty bad. And Jackie O'Haley just... I don't know, just kind of looks like a fucking sad cat person <laughs> slash burn yeah. victim. Like, they... I know they were trying to make it look realistic, but they, they went a little too far. He kind of just looks fucking silly with <laughs> missing his lips and his fucking eyes, brows, and everything else. Yeah, and it sucks because I love Nightmare on Elm Street, so I was really, really hyped for it, but it's, uh, it's so bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean... I can't I, recommend it to anybody. No, nah, I'm a bigger fan of Nightmare on Elm Street series than I am Friday the 13th, but yeah, definitely out of the two remakes, Friday the 13th got the better treatment. Yeah, for or sure. Or Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Both of those are a lot better. I thought the scene in the Nightmare remake where the dude, like, just died, like, when he was live-streaming himself, I thought that was cool, and they could have done something unique with that, but they didn't, so. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That whole movie sucked. I only saw it twice, and I was like, yep, never need to see that one again. I had anyway, Josh, parts of that. Oh, Friday 13th? I mean, um, Nightmare on Elm Street? Yeah. Hmm. I was just going to ask, Jocelyn, have you seen the remake? Um, I'm pretty sure I saw it in the theater, but it, it like it's been so long that I don't even... I couldn't tell you anything about it, like, at all. So... Just be like Andrew, just fake it. Be like, yeah, I remember the part when Jason kills people. Yeah, yeah, good. I saw that live, <laughs> live streaming. The guy died. He took that <laughs> in, in space. He took that machete and started hacking and whacking. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, crew, it's about that time to wrap up our Friday at Thirteenth franchise discussion. But before we get out of here, I want to remind everyone listening that we have a never-ending collection of film effect content over at the archive, which can be found on our website, thefilmeffectpodcast.com, and on all major podcast platforms, including Apple, Google, Amazon, Spotify, Breaker, Stitcher, and so on. Follow us on Facebook at The Film Effect Podcast and Twitter at Film Effect Pod. And if you liked what you just heard, then please let us know by leaving a rating or review on Apple, Spotify, Facebook, or directly on our website. We sincerely appreciate all forms of feedback as it does help us out in the long run. Check us that. Check out this past week's episode that was hosted by Corey himself. It's currently on Film Effect Takeover. It's currently Film Effect Takeover Month here on the podcast, where each week a different co-host is hosting their own episode and picking the film to cover. Corey brought Disney Pixar's Toy Story to the party, and you can hear that episode right now if you haven't done so already. 
next week on FewerCast. We'll be returning to our regularly scheduled format and getting back to the weekly news recommendations that the show is all about prior to the holiday season. Next week also sees the release of Justin's episode. We'll be breaking down and talking about the cult classic Flash Gordon from the late Mike Hodges. To be honest, I have no idea how we've come this far and not had an episode of Flash Gordon. But that's all about the change next week. Thanks to Justin's selection. And that's the episode here. We're done. Thanks to my co-hosts for all they do and to our listeners for staying true. Until next week, I'm Ed. I'm Jocelyn. I'm Andrew. I'm Justin. And I'm Corey. That's a wrap. Cut and print. Hey, get these enchiladas out of me. The damn enchiladas.